This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Hey everybody, Carm Capriato, good to have you all here. Welcome to Remarkable Results Radio, the gold standard of automotive service aftermarket podcast. We've been the best grounded source for automotive service repair acumen since 2015. Good to have you here. Got a great episode. Very interesting episode, by the way, with friend Lee Rodas. Lee, come on in here. There he is. He's territory sales manager for Deckman Oil. And uh, I see Lee once a month at uh, the independent meeting that we have here in the Buffalo area. And how many years have you been with Deckman? So I've been about nine and a half years now. Nine and a half years. And Deckman's almost a hundred year old company. Yeah, they started in 1924 as a fuel distributor out of the Western New York market. And next year we'll be celebrating our hundred year anniversary, which is as a family owned company still. That's a milestone today. That rarely, rarely happens. So kudos to the Deckman family. By the way, I love oil because back in the day, our family had many, many businesses to be in. And one of them was oil distribution. And I think we did start with Kendall. You guys, I think, were also a Kendall distributor. And we were. then we got into mobile. And it was so interesting because I remember going to a ton of classes with mobile when they were you know, talking about Mobile One. And, you know, I found out how that was created back after World War II. I think that's when it really happened, when they th- threw all these atoms of carbon together and they figured out. Uh, it was fascinating to hear about the science behind <laughs> synthetic oils. And then one of the great funny stories about mobile is they'll be the first to admit that they should have never back in the day marketed it as a 50,000 mile oil because <laughs> it never had a chance to ever get off the ground, right? Yeah, it's funny you say that because there was a commercial they had on TV recently in the last couple of years it's you know, Mobile One, don't change your oil. And as an oil guy, I'm going, wow, it's an interesting market strategy, but they're proud of their products for sure. They sure are. And before we turned on the mic, we were just chatting about, again, back in the day, we were also selling Amelie products, great products created and born in Oil City in Pennsylvania, where I think the first domestic crude was ever discovered, right? That's correct. And in Bradford, Pennsylvania, I will never forget touring that plant and to watch and to see. I'm a kid in a candy store when it comes to going to tours. I remember touring the Ford stamping plant here in Buffalo, and I wanted to see it again. Can I go again? Can I go again? Because I love to see how things are made. I'll never forget having someone show us all this waxy substance that comes out of oil and all the different stages of what we use oil for in our world. If you ever pulled up a graphic on a refining tower or whatever it's called, and you'd see at every stage what comes off and to realize what an important product that we have in our, probably half the things in our studio here are made with some kind of petroleum. And people don't realize everything from makeup to pharmaceutical supplies. I mean, the industry of oil, lubricants, finished lubricants, it's really a large breath. And we focus mostly on powertrain products for heavy-duty commercial, fleet, automotive. But the industry is large. And there are a lot of products that are made through a refinery that you just don't think about as oil, but they're in there. It's no secret we're facing a technician shortage. But rest assured, Napa Auto Care is addressing that one tech at a time with your help. The free two-year apprentice program offers a variety of training to produce a technician through nine stages of curriculum, earning four ASE certifications throughout the program. To learn more, members can visit member.napaautocare.com or contact your servicing Napa Auto Parts stores sales rep. So we're going to talk about passenger car motor oil, a little bit on the heavy-duty market, the American Petroleum Institute, and Grease. 
He got up at a recent meeting and he says, guys, pay attention to this. Watch for that. This is going up. This is coming down. These formulas are changing. And I said, Lee, come on the show. Tell us what you know. At least give us a current state of the mind as to what you're out there telling your customers about. So let's walk down this. Is volume up or down when it comes to oils? And I guess my whole thing is someone said to me the other day, don't put a blended synthetic in. That would be a crazy move because you don't know how much is synthetic is in a blend. Is that true? Yeah. So that is true. Typically when you go for an oil change, they're going to offer one of a few different options. Do you want a a synthetic oil or a synthetic blend or conventional, right? Those are pretty much your three good, better, best options. Before I got into this business, I didn't really know the difference between a 0W20 and a 1540. I did not come from an automotive or lube background at all. So as I went to training classes all over the Northeast to learn about this, the question was, what's the difference between, and there was actually a, that was the title of one of the classes we went to. At the end of the day, there's really, there's no API requirements that say, if you have a synthetic blend, it has to be this much, 50% synthetic oil and 50% synthetic to get the conventional. So there are some definite gray areas as far as how things are marketed, what is a synthetic blend versus a conventional. The traditional sense of conventional is a group one base oil, and you can't get a modern gasoline engine oil to meet the API specs with a group one base oil. So In reality, most of what you see is marketed as a conventional oil could also be considered a synthetic blend. And that's that's really where it's at. As far as a synthetic oil, the synthetic oils are going to be a group three, group two plus, group three base oil. So all of your synthetic oil, you really got a choice between synthetic blend or full synthetic. And for full synthetic, is that the trend today? I mean, you, you go into shops every day. I mean, this is what you do for a living. What are you seeing that they're offering? Yeah, so you had mentioned the volume. So most of the shops and dealerships, they're offering full synthetic oil changes. Your average drain intervals around 5,000 miles with a full synthetic, and you can go to 7,500, 10,000. It's really dependent on the manufacturer on the drain interval, not the oil so much, but the manufacturer's recommendation. So volumes over the years when Kendall's logo is the peace sign, and it's not really a peace sign. They were just bragging back in the day that they were the first motor oil that can go 2,000 miles between drains. So I wish I had the Kendall logo handy, but it looks like a peace sign, but it's the number two saying that we can go 2,000 miles between drains. Now everything is extended way out to 5,000 plus, really. I'll bet you anybody who's over 50 remembers the... Kendall 2 or the peace sign. Yeah. Frankly, I I, haven't, <laughs> I was in that business a long time and I didn't know that. Yeah. Not a lot of people do. It's, it's interesting. We have Heritage Kendall customers that have been with our company buying Kendall branded lubricants for 40, 50 years. And you get that too. I mean, you get the guys that's their, their dad used this product and their granddad used this product and that's their, they're loyal to the brand. They know they've been using it for a long time. It's consistent. And that's kind of a big deal in the oil world as well. You had mentioned 5,000, 7,500, 10,000 miles, but isn't the typical shop today trying to get that their client in every 5,000? For a lot of reasons, 5,000 miles is a really easy number to use because it's a safe drain interval for any of your synthetic oils, even the synthetic blends. 5,000 miles, if you get those cars in every 5,000, and I do this, I'm a sales guy, I drive 
50,000 miles a year. And every 5,000 miles, I go for an oil change. Every other oil change, I rotate the tires, right? There's other services that I do at different intervals, but that really keeps it simple for me as an end user. And really it's cheap insurance to change your oil, even though they say you can go 7, 10, 15,000 miles, change it once a year for 80 bucks, for an oil change, it's the cheapest insurance you can get for life of your engine. So let's talk about viscosity changes. Did I recently hear 0W16? You did. And we also talked about the 0W12. So with the proliferation of viscosity grades over the past seven years, right? 10 years, maybe. It is not as simple as I have one bulk oil storage tank and the cars come in and this is what I use. I think 20 years ago, 10W30 was the most popular gasoline engine oil that you could get. And today, 0W20 is most of your Asian vehicles, your Hondas, your Toyotas. 020 is it. Even GM now in their Silverado half-ton pickups. They take more oil. They take around eight quarts of oil, but it's 0W20. The 0W16 came into play a couple of years ago. I'm the Honda rep for all of Western New York, and all of my Honda stores randomly received a 12 one-quart case of 0W16 Honda oil. Nobody knew what it was for, what to do with it, and it came with a letter saying, you're going to need this pretty soon. So what happened was when they started getting into the hybrid applications. That's where the 0W16 came into play for the Hondas. Toyota was about the same time. And so they went from 020 in most of the Hondas to 016. And then recently I had a customer call me. They had a BMW in their shop and the cap said 0W12. So used to be 1030, then 530, 520. Now 020, 0.16 is becoming more and more popular. We're, we're seeing it selling more and more frequently on a monthly basis. 0W12, we don't even have it right now. We don't have any aftermarket 0W12 available. But I also saw a picture of a European oil. It was 0W8. Well, that's what I also heard in this one particular article I wrote, 16, 12, and 8. And they say that it's on the way. I don't know, maybe it's in Europe. Does this have to do with fuel economy? Does it have to do with horsepower? Give me an idea. It's fuel economy and emissions. Those are the two driving factors into the lighter viscrates. So every automotive manufacturer is going to have corporate average fuel economy that government wants them to hit. So the best way to eke out another 20 feet per gallon is to lighten the viscrate. There's less fluid friction in those lighter grade oils. So you can get an extra, even if it's 20 feet per mile, but you're producing 100,000 of those vehicles that helps the corporate average fuel economy because you've got hundreds of thousands of vehicles being produced that get an extra 20 miles per gallon. Yeah. What kind of oil do you put? You don't sell mobile, do you? We do not. We do not market or sell mobile products. If somebody was selling mobile one, would they recommend a 7,500 or not? Would they still recommend a five? So again, I don't market mobile one. I'm familiar with it because I sell against it often. But I think that question's answered depending on the type of mobile one, because there are different mobile ones out there. I see in some of the shops that I deal with and dealerships, there's mobile one zero W20 and they have three different 020 mobile ones. So it's tough to tell in some of those brands because they have multiple options for the same viscosity grade. Is this about price point and DIY stuff? What is it about? Some of it's price point, but some of it, like there's a 0W20 European formula that's different than the 0W20 domestic formula. There's a 5W40 for a turbo diesel. It's different than the 5W40 European. 
So you have to know what you're looking for and making sure that if you're using just because the viscosity grade is correct, that the additives and the application for that oil is correct. Isn't it amazing? One of the things that I learned so long ago was these additive packages. Lubrizol is, I think, one of the largest makers of an additive package, and they'll take on anybody's. Is you got a base stock, tell me what you want in it, and we'll make you the additive package. We'll send it to you, and then, of course, you put it into the tank, and I don't know, you take a little swizzler stick and you, you blend it up, and now you got your oil, <laughs> the oil that you want to have under this particular brand, and it does this. I found that years ago fascinating to understand how much the additive package does to detergents and viscosity. I mean, it just blew my mind to realize to take this, I'm not sure, ounce or gallon of whatever the additive is, you throw it in something and presto, it does all this cool stuff. It is amazing what science and technology have done to engine oil. And again, I've in the nine and a half years that I've been with the company, right? The API specs have changed. The heavy duty specs have changed. And if you ask people that have been in, like I have a colleague that's been doing this for almost 40 years and the nuts and bolts is the quality of today's motor oil is so much better than it was 20 years ago. The additive technology that they're using in a quart of oil today, it is light years beyond what it was 10, 15, 20 years ago. They've done a really good job at making some very good products in the market. As an independent repair shop owner, do you find yourself struggling with any of the following? Uncertainty about the future of your business and keeping up with the competition. Are you spending too much time managing day-to-day chaos or struggling with new employees? Do you have time keeping up with industry trends? Do you find your marketing is effective? How do your finances look? Are you reactive rather than proactive? Do you know where you should be, where you can grow, and where you should cut back? If any of those situations describe where you are today, you are finally in the right place. Repair Shop of Tomorrow is Napa Auto Care's newest endorsed partner. They are helping shops nationwide run more profitable automotive repair shops by utilizing proven best practice marketing and coaching to leverage Napa programs to drive quality car count, sales, and profits. RSOT will look at productivity, efficiencies, effective labor rate, average hours per car, labor profit percent, manage and measure labor, and how you can create net profit. Mike Kraft from Chelsea Tire and Service totally revamped his business. He was ready to get out, but decided to give RSOT a try. Now he has two shops with a totally revamped business. Likewise, Tom Kilmer from Grand Rapids Motor Car, RSOT helped dial in his business and focused on key points that changed his business and his life, which is all in his bottom line. Repair Shop of Tomorrow offers a tier-based program to not only generate more business today, but to transform your shop into a top-level shop of tomorrow. RSOT can teach you how to make your shop profitable, and they can teach you how to recruit and make more labor dollars for your shop. Give Repair Shop of Tomorrow a call, 440-545-1230, for a free 20-minute no-obligation consultation. To me, the greatest stress for any shop owner today when they're considering or looking at oils is, where the heck am I going to put all this stuff? And you see these incredible little mini bulk, I don't know, they're five, 10 gallon. Instead of in the old days, we were putting in drums and even bigger five, 600,000 gallon tanks. That's all changed. It has changed because of the 
change in viscosity grades. No longer can you have, again, one or two tanks for a 525-30. Now you've got a basically like, it's like a wine box, a box of wine, but it's a box of oil. They come in six gallon boxes and you can have 025, 25, 30, 016, Euro 540 diesel oils, all of your different ATFs and you could have upwards of a dozen different boxes of oil because you're going to see all these different makes and models of cars, transmissions, Europeans, diesels. It's a lot of inventory to manage for a shop today. Okay, so let's consider your friend Jimmy Fleshman that I know from Automotive Alley out in Arcade, New York. What's the number of SKUs that he has in his shop? Jimmy probably runs one, two, three, five, seven. He probably has nine different types of oil that he stocks on a regular basis. Now, that doesn't mean he's not calling once in a while for something specific that's coming in. But I would say on average, eight or nine different viscosity grades of oil. Is he doing them in the like the wine box thing or? Jimmy doesn't do them in the box, although he could, but he finds it the simplest way for him is to do everything in quart bottles, which is strange. I agree. And I'll tell Jimmy all the time, it's not the most cost effective way to buy oil, but for him and the way he runs his shop and manages his inventory, quart bottles, it's convenient and it works for the way he does it. So, so interesting. We've done, of course, our show called Aftermarket Weekly, which we do releases every Saturday. And we've done, I don't know, maybe a hundred tours and to see inside the shop, their wall of oil. <laughs> it's amazing today from when I was in it. So I do see that as something that is one of those necessary evils. You just got to have those weights. You cannot wait for a parts store to deliver you five, six quarts of a specialty oil. You need to have it there. So based on what Jimmy stocks, would he have 90% coverage of any vehicle that would pull in? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So he stocks all of what I would consider the mainline products, right? It's all of your common products. And then if you get a specific, like the Dodge Ram takes a very specific 0W40, right? So if he knows he has a Dodge Ram coming in on Friday, he'll have that in stock by Friday, but it's not something he's going to keep on the shelf all the time because it's a pretty specific, the Jeep Chrysler 0W40. So interesting. Let's move to greases. That's one of the things that I found fascinating when I heard you talk recently that lithium shortage? Lithium shortage. It's here. Yeah. So Lithium historically has been the most cost-effective grease you can get. Most of your multi-purpose greases, if you go into a art store, 90% of what you're going to find on the shelf is going to be a lithium or a lithium complex grease. Always been very affordable, very good performance as far as the high temperature and the extreme pressure and all that. But now with the electrification of everything, lithium is in very tight supply. So as we're seeing right now, that's a down market and prices of oil is dropping, the price of grease is going up. Specifically, lithium grease is going up more so than other soaps, but it is a problem. And one of our vendors, one of the grease, it's not even the grease supply issue. It's another random supply issue that they're having currently, which is the tubes. They can't get the tubes to put the grease into the tubes. So there are some really bizarre, we've seen some of this throughout COVID. We're kind of past all of that, but right now they're having an issue getting a supply of tubes and caps for the grease tubes. I mean, I sit here on the sidelines saying, you gotta be kidding me. A shortage of tubes. Can a tube company step up? And <laughs> you would think. I just heard this the other day, and I'm not sure it was 100% correct, but it said that we could mine lithium. 
but we have to send it to China to get, if you will, refined or purified or whatever they do with it. And it has to come back so that basically somebody was saying that China really does control that whole lithium industry. So is that part of the problem? And I guess you take a base grease and you throw lithium in it. And what happens to it? It becomes more better product, more lubricious. Is that the right word? To bake a cake of grease, right, you've got three main ingredients. You've got your base soap. And when we talk about lithium or lithium complex, that's the soap. Now, inside of the soap to carry the oil, so it's soap, oil, and additives. That's the three main components in your grease, soap, oil, and additives. The soap is the lithium or calcium or aluminum. Those are the three main soaps that we deal with, lithium being the most common, the most universal. From there, you add the oil and and the soap basically carries the oil to the parts that you're greasing. And then the additives give you other features and benefits. So your anti-wear, your water washout capabilities. So lithium being the number one base soap is hard to get. So now guys are saying, well, what else can I use? And there are some other great alternatives that have historically been not as cost effective as the lithium, but people are using them and finding really good results with calcium or calcium sulfonate greases. They have really good water washout protection with the calcium and calcium sulfonate. And now that they're priced competitive with lithium because the price of lithium is going up, I think we're going to see more of that. You'll find that calcium soap typically in a marine application because of the water. A lot of heavy-duty construction uses the calcium because they're in wet, muddy conditions, often farms and fleets. So I think calcium is going to be the near future of Greece where you're going to see lithium and lithium complex going away or at least pulling back and have more calcium type greases out in the market. Calcium better than lithium? It's debatable. I, I mean, better, it has different benefits to it. So especially in the fleet world, calcium has a better extreme pressure rating, right, than a standard lithium. So if you're in a construction or fleet, certainly calcium is a really nice option because inherently that soap is going to give you some more anti-wear. So if you're doing bucket pins or loader pins or king pins on a truck, calcium helps with the life of that part. Where does synthetic come in on the greases? So we don't do a lot with synthetic greases. There's some specialty applications. So if you have something that's really high speed or high temperature, The synthetic grease is, and again, the oil that's introduced to the soap would be a synthetic oil. And the benefits of a synthetic oil, whether it's in the engine, whether it's in a transmission or in a grease, is you get a longer lifespan of that. It doesn't wear out near as quickly as a conventional or synthetic blend grease or oil. And then you get the temperature ratings. So any of your synthetic oils or greases are going to perform better at extreme temperatures, whether it's high temperatures or low temperatures. So there are some inherent benefits to synthetics in a grease or in a motor oil. We just don't see a lot of uses of grease using synthetic oil. So they have been able to make synthetic soap? So I don't know of any synthetic soaps. All the soaps that are commonly used in the market, and trust me, I'm sure there are some synthetic soaps out there. There's a lot of specialty oil companies that will do something that's very specific for one application. Thank you so much for a walkthrough on greases. I want to go back to oil and filters. Do you guys sell filters? We do have a line of filters. Yeah. Automotive filters only. No heavy duty. Okay. Filter. I was hearing someone say the other day that if they're doing a 5,000 mile maintenance with a vehicle and a synthetic, that they're not buying an inexpensive filter. They're buying a premium. I mean, what do you hear? 
Or shall I say they're installing one and yeah, they're, they're buying one. Sure. Yeah. So when you're talking of going back to the mobile one in the 10,000, 15,000, once a year, 50,000 mile drain. Yeah, but we don't want to go there. We just, we don't want to mentally go there as an industry. We want to see our customers. There's so much maintenance to do on the vehicle than to push it off that much. But if, if we were living in this service environment of it's just, we're doing a vehicle maintenance, we're not doing an oil change, we're doing a vehicle maintenance, and it includes this 5,000 mile, would we want to buy, if you will, the quote, quote, higher priced brand name filter to put on? I mean, the filter, the oil will long outlive the filter. Right. Again, today's oil, going back to what we talked, today's oil is built really well. So nine times out of 10, when you're draining the oil and changing the filter, the oil is probably in pretty good condition. If you're only going 5,000 miles on a synthetic oil change, the problem we see is if you're not using a quality filter, then that filter gets full sooner and it doesn't filter out what you're needing it to do at the end of its life. So on just like oil, you've got a good, better, best option. I think filters are the same way. You do have good, better, and best. And if you're using a really good oil with a really cheap filter, you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot. Got it. API, we talked about it briefly a few minutes ago, the American Petroleum Institute. There's changes in specs going on. Can you give us a little overview of that? Yeah, so... With modern gas engines, pretty much everything you see on a lot now is either a GDI, which is gasoline direct inject, or they have turbos, right? So in order to meet the needs and help prevent some problems, API, the American Petroleum Institute, has updated their requirements for a domestic motor oil. So currently you're at uh, API of SO, which is the acronym for the current spec, and it's a GF6A or 6B. So it gets confusing, but the GF6 specification or designated designation by the API, it's designed to help with LSPI, which is the low speed pre-ignition problems. And it's designed to ensure that the turbos and these new modern engines are going to stay intact without having excessive wear and damage done because the old oil, if you use an old oil and a new modern engine, right, you're going to see some rapid wear, some timing chain issues. That's been a big thing. As of late, we've seen a lot of timing chains and the GDIs with carbon buildup. So they are designing the oil to meet the needs of these new engines at the new temperatures because they're running much hotter than they used to. Again, it's all changing. Warning sign, don't go to an auction and buy, you know, 50 cases of a an SD oil <laughs> SE, and put it in a modern engine. I find it fascinating on the spec. You, I think you, did you say SO or did you say SP? SP. They skipped a couple letters in there because of the acronyms didn't work for whatever they needed. So currently it's SP. I mean, they just kept going. I remember E and D. I just remember uh, DEF. I remember SF back in the day. And of course, they're up at SP. Do you think they'll go to SQ? I think they will be going to SQ. Absolutely. Why would they not want to use Q? What happens when they get to Z and they run out? They're going to probably go to... Numbers. (laughs) So it'll go from the S category to the T. T. I got it. So interesting. Now, heavy duty, obviously so critical. I mean, what are highway drains out for like Detroit today? Yeah. So new Detroit diesels, right? factory fill in the book, they're going to tell you, you can go up to 60,000 miles between drains for a class A. So if you buy a new tractor trailer, Freightliner, Western Star, and they come with the Detroit, 
again, you have to be running the right oil and the right filter to get those type of drain intervals. I do a lot of fleet business. I don't have a lot of fleets that are really testing those type of limits. And if they are, they're doing oil analysis to support it. But, you know, the on-highway fleet stuff is pretty incredible with what they're doing. Again, oil is built a lot better than it was today. And diesel engines are inherently dirty as compared to a gasoline engine. So you're talking some really high-quality products to push those drains out there. Average on-highway is going anywhere from twenty to 30,000 miles between the oil changes. Granted, they're using 10 gallons, 40, 42 quarts in those big trucks. So Oil analysis. God, I remember that. And I remember seeing some reports that came back and you just sit there with your mouth gaping open to, if you will, it was DNA at the time for oil analysis, right? That's right. It's like getting your blood work done. Just like your blood work. A typical shop, would they ever do an oil analysis for like a little mini fleet of gas engines? So in the automotive side of things, we don't see much oil analysis. We really don't. Again, you're talking a very conservative drain. If you're seeing the car every 5,000 miles, you're not going to see things like the fuel dilution and coolant issues. So I don't have a lot of automotive fleets that are doing it. It's more of the on-highway construction, trucking. Again, and those guys are trying to go. These are independently owned trucking companies that If they can go from 20,000-mile drains to 30,000-mile drains, they're saving a substantial amount of money annually. So honored to have you here, Lee. I learned an awful lot. It was fun to catch up on the world of oil and greases and, and API and what's going on. So I'm sure that our audience learned something, because I'm positive they did. So go out and do something with this knowledge that you just received from Lee Rodas from Deckman Oil Company based in Honey Eye Falls, New York. Lee, thanks so much. This was great. Hey, you're very welcome, Carm. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time.